Well, we're going to um, open up our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, uh, reading this from God's Word. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we look at your word now, that we would um, be able to praise like Paul praised, that we would be able to call out and, and rejoice of the King Eternal, and that we pray this now for his name. Amen. Amen. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy 1 in those verses together in a moment. But it's a funny season. If you're involved in education, it is a strange season where, um, where the school looks immaculate. The school looks immaculate, and um, even those shoddy displays that are around school are pristine. And if you've been to any open evenings or go to any open evenings, you will see that to be the case um, because of these open evenings where prospective parents decide on whether they send their child to a particular school. And I'm not, uh, not going too far away from this building now. I went into one of those schools this week, and it did smell sweet. I thought royalty may have been there. Then I realized it was obviously for me. Um, but uh, it was, um, it was quite, quite, quite impressive. And um, the religious studies and philosophy department had a wonderful display, the big questions of God, the big questions of God. And um, the big questions of God sounded a little like this. How could a just God allow Auschwitz to take place? That was one of the questions in the display. And this was another one. How could a just God allow war crimes in Ukraine to take place. Well, we do live in an unbelieving, sceptical world where the questions are not, well, they're, they're often against God and who he is, if they believe in a God at all. And we apply human limits of our lives to the God and the people's view of God. 
And so today, we're looking at the patience of God. The patience of God. In our series, which is entitled, God is Patient. Um, We may have all kinds of ideas when we think of um, God as patience. But when we think of the patience of God, we mustn't be confused with, for instance, ignorance, the ignorance of God. You see, we need to know straight away that God is fully aware of every injustice and difficulty suffered in this world. But every, not just in a world scale, but every individual. Nothing happens in this world without God knowing. But also, God never turns a blind eye to anything that happens. We've got to know this from the start. When David said, where can I go from your spirit? The the answer is nowhere. God is everywhere. So when we think of the patience of God, let's not think about maybe God as ignorant. But likewise, when we think of the patience of God, let's not be confused and view God as weak. In reality, God's power is reflected in his restraint. He shows towards you and me and the whole of mankind. Listen to what the prophet Nahum said about God as he captures it brilliantly. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. That should encourage us this morning as we hear those words. He's slow to anger He's great in power, but the Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. See, God holds off his righteous anger. He could intervene in each and every person's situation. And sometimes it is a mystery. Why doesn't God act now? In a world situation, but also for you on a Monday morning in that situation, in that scenario that you are in. But also, when we think of the patience of God, let's not think that God is apathetic. Let's not think that God is apathetic. See, it could be easily easy to conclude that God simply does not care for his world. In fact, God's justice and wrath is being delayed, the Bible says, and stored until the final judgment, Matthew 12, 36. To be apathetic means you don't care and have no interest in a situation or a person. God is always acting, often Not what we see as center stage for the whole world to see. But God is working his purposes out in his ways at his times for for our good and his glory. So he's not 
apathetic. But then when we think of the uh, patience of God, let's not think that God is absent. God is not a distant observer when people are mistreated. He is there amongst them. See, when Paul confronted, sorry, when God, or Jesus, confronted Saul on the road to Damascus, he said, why do you persecute me? See, God is not afar in the clouds away from all the action. God is never absent. God was there in the times when those early Christians were fed to the lions when those martyrs were burnt at the stake, and when Christians around the world today are being persecuted for their faith. God is not afar, God is not absent, but he's at the center of those situations. Yes, it is a mystery sometimes why God doesn't work in ways that we see fit and we see right. But let's not have that idea that God is absent. So let's get a definition of patience and the patience of God. Um, So this this, this section of 1 Timothy should help us understand this in its fullest sense. And I suppose when we look at this section, I want us to think that Paul was pursued by God. He was pursued by God. He was pursued by what I've called the patience of God. The word patience, so those of you who like definitions and write down, writing down everything I say, the word patience in its original in the Greek, again, forgive me my, for my pronunciation, all right, but none of you, I don't think, are Greek here, are you? And none of you were there when it was written. So who's to say I'm not right in the way that I say it compared to why you think it should be said? Okay, so let's not have criticism later in the way that I say words, all right? I know some of you find it hilarious, the way that I speak sometimes, but let's just listen. So the word is macrohumia. Can you say that word with me? Macrohumia. All right, that is the word this morning. You're Greek. You're nodding. It's right. Praise the Lord. I say, say that again. Perfect. For the camera, Perfect. <laughs> pronunciation was perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. But it's often translated as long-suffering. Okay, so the word patience and the word long-suffering are interchangeable, okay, as we know that word of God's patience. So when Adam sinned, God did not charge into the garden with a, drawn out, with a drawn sword. Rather, he walked in and called out to Adam, where are you? Similarly, God's patience enables him to come after us. Say that again, that, those are profound words. God's patience enables him to come after us, to pursue us. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Those words are amazing. 
Again, let's get a definition. The patience of God is God choosing to delay his reaction to my sin so that I can reflect and repent of my sin. The patience of God is God choosing to delay his reaction to my sin so that I can reflect and repent of my sin. God's patience this morning, as we see in this reading, should move us from the situation, from who we are, to lift our eyes, to adore and praise him. That's how Paul ends this reading. It's a wonderful thing to know the patience of God, the long-suffering of God. He gives us this opportunity to see our sin, to see our wrongdoing, to call out on him and to follow him. It's a wonderful thing. Without it, without God's patience, we would be in the dire straits. We would be in a hopeless situation with no hope facing a lost eternity. Imagine if God wrote you off for all the things that you had said, the things you had committed, the things you had thought, the things that you hadn't done. He could, and he should, but he hasn't. He is long-suffering. He sees everything, the good, but also the bad, of those things public and those things private, and yet he calls you to come to him. This is the grace of God. Every day working out in your life and mine. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've been going around on my push bike. All right, I'm not pushing the bike, but for some reason you call it a push bike because you push the pedals as opposed to a motorbike. I want to have a motorbike, but I get that when I grow up. Um, so I've got this push bike going around, and man, has my patience been tested. Those drivers, those drivers, of course, always the drivers, and those pedestrians. There were things that have come out of my mouth in the last two weeks I didn't realize I had part of my vocabulary, and it wasn't conduit. <laughs> if I had a horn, I'd be tooting it. I, I really sounded silly the other day. I said to this driver, have you read the Green Cross Code? <laughs> the things you say. It's like you say that to a junior school child, don't you, about crossing the road. But I was saying it to this driver. Haven't you read your Green Cross Code? And these 65-year-olds who kind of, kind of just sightsee as they go across the road. And those drivers who are driving at 10 miles an hour. You know, okay, there are Sunday drivers, but this is Tuesday morning. Patience, man, I need it. Uh, but in Paul's experience, as we look at this passage, Paul's experience is a God of grace. A God of grace who chose not to respond to the sinner that he was. And Paul, I'm sure, was 
felt sick as he read, as he rather wrote those words of what he was. Verse 13, he was a blasphemer. You know, no doubt Paul would have cursed the name of Jesus on many occasions during his active opposition to the gospel. Okay? He was a persecutor. Paul was guilty of doing all that he could to destroy the lives of those who choose to follow Christ. In the same way that some of you watch Netflix and go on Amazon or on the BBC for some kind of entertainment, Paul would find delight and great entertainment of watching Christians being killed for their beliefs. This is what he says in Galatians 1 verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. He actively tried to destroy the work of God with these new believers. He was described as a violent man. Paul was insolent and insulting before his conversion. This is the man that most of us have read time and time again as he was changed and transformed, but he was ultimately pursued. He was loved and, and he was the one that Jesus had in mind from the creation of the world whilst Paul was doing these evil acts. So the third point this morning. He was empowered by the patience of God. This is Paul. And we see this in a few sections in verse 12, verse 15, and verse 16. Let me just briefly go through these together. This is what he says. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Strength. That's what Paul was given. As a result, as an outworking of the patience of God, Paul was strengthened, or literally, as we read it in other versions, he was empowered by Jesus to do ministry. He was transformed. He was being changed. How and why? Well, it was because of the patience of God. And for us this morning, just like Paul, there's, there's an ABC that I want us briefly to, to look at. Most of us probably know these words, and you may have learned them as a young person yourself. But as we look at Paul, he had to admit that he was a sinner. This is what Paul needed to do. Verse 15, he needed to admit, admit that he was a sinner. He said, I am the worst of them. And this went against his natural prideful self and that's the same for us isn't it none of us want to admit that we're wrong none of us think that we're as bad as someone else there are worse people than us worse drivers there's always someone else who's worse but in God's eyes we are the same we're a sinner and so Paul needed to admit that he was the worst of sinners that he had to come to Jesus and see 
That it was only Jesus who was going to get him out of the situation. So there was that admitting of his sin. But secondly, he had to believe. He had to believe, verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him. To those who would believe in him and receive eternal life, verse 16. See, there is a belief that we have that Jesus came into the world, that he came into the world totally pure, totally blameless, that he lived a perfect life that none of us could live, that he died a death that only he could die, and that believing in him, he would take the blame, he would take the punishment for our sin. And that believing in him, death was no more. That death was not the full stop, but death was the comma of the story of God. And then thirdly, the sea. He had to conform to his purpose for his life. He says, he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, or the ministry, as it says, at the end of 12. See, living for Jesus means putting him at the center and thus making him Lord of all. Paul knew that he needed not to follow his own way, not to follow his old religion, but to make Jesus his, his center, his all of who he was. And likewise for us, he wants us to not live for ourselves, to not even live for someone else, but to live for him, making him center, making him the everything, to conform to his way. While I've been um, preparing this, I've been thinking of the imagery of um, agriculture and farming. It's not because I watch Country File on a Sunday night, but um, there is... There is this sense, isn't there, that um, in the Bible, it does speak of um, agriculture and farming as, as, a, as an image. Jesus used it in his parables many times. And I think there's something in that for us all, really. Not only do we have a God who is patient, just like the farmer is patient for his crops, but for us, too, of seeing our lives unfold. And having that patience that the fruit of the Spirit. There we are. There's another analogy to growth and agriculture. The fruit of the Spirit. So it's a wonderful thing. The patience of God. It's changed your destiny as you follow Jesus. But uh, let's pray for those others that maybe we have lost patience with. That they too can know Jesus. Then that God is searching and seeking them. Well, at this point normally, I would say amen, and then we'd sing our final song. I want to just, I'm just going to read uh, various scriptures that I'd like us to meditate on. Let these words fill you. We talk about meditation. Meditation often is about emptying your head, 
but biblical meditation is fully in his head with God and his word. So let me just read out some Bible passages, and let's just quietly consider them. Don't turn to them in your Bibles or on your app. Just close your eyes and listen and turn these words as worship. The psalmist wrote these words, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. Matthew 18. At this, the slave fell down on his face before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that slave had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. In some words from Paul in his various writings. Do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience? Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And what if God, desiring to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath ready for destruction? Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on patience. Father God, we thank you for your long-suffering. We thank you for your patience. We thank you that you have saved wretches like us. We thank you, Father, that uh, we see this throughout Scripture. And we pray that we too would show patience in our lives as, as part of that fruit. But we would also trust you in situations and be patient. Father God, we thank you for this reminder this morning and we pray that we would know rejoice and praise the king eternal who is immortal and invisible he is the only god and we praise you we give you the honor and glory forever and ever and with the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you and your families, your homes, your neighborhoods, and your workplaces this week as we go on. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>